listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. What I want to show you on today's episode, today's broadcast, is that you can create and cultivate personal revival in your own life all the time that you don't have to wait for what we would call times of refreshing or seasons of encouragement, but there's a way from the word of God that you can literally live in a spirit of revival, if you will. You know, that feeling you've had before, if you've ever been in, you know, powerful revival meetings, powerful revival services, where you leave on like a spiritual high, you're like, man, this was amazing. I, whether the joy of the Lord hit me or I got healed or whatever it might be. And you've been in those situations. I've got people watching right now that have been to youth camps and youth retreats with me. And we get out there and, you know, the power of God hits and we leave like on a high. And then what ends up happening sometimes people, you know, it falls off. People fade out, burn out, whatever it might be. But I want to show you today because I, I, I live in this. I honestly do. I'm not down I don't need encouragement. You know what I mean by that? It's like, I'm not, you know, come home from revival meetings. Like I wish somebody would encourage me. No, you can live in a constant state of revival personally. That's why we titled it what we did, how you can live in a personal revival or have a personal revival on a daily basis. What's up, Todd and Janine and Kyle. And so I want to show you from the word of God, there are steps you can take and you should take them. Because notice, you shouldn't just enjoy the presence of the Lord every once in a while. You shouldn't just enjoy the presence of the Lord here and there, but it's something that you could have a a close relationship with him daily where you feel refreshed the moment you wake up, where you feel encouraged and ready to take whatever the Lord's called you to do by storm the moment you wake up. What's up, Alexandra? Louisiana's in the house. California, Cisco. Good to see you guys. And so I want to just show you from the word today. That's why I want you to share this because how many Christians have I prayed for at the altar? And I'll come and say, well, what are you believing for? What do you need God to do? Brother, would you just pray for me that God would give me a refreshing? Would you just pray for me that he would just requicken my spirit? Would you pray for me that he would just lift me up and give me a, a, a refreshing and encouragement? Listen, nothing wrong with that. I'm not condemning people that ask for that in prayer, but I want to show you a higher way today. I want to show you that from the word of God, without the dependence or the help of somebody else, dependence on somebody else, that we can walk in that kind of supernatural encouragement and personal revival everywhere we go. Here's what ends up happening. Instead of looking for help all the time, you become the help. Think about that. Instead of looking for help all the time, you become others help when others are down. And then you're like, let me help you out because I got something for you. I got a word that'll stir you up. I got something that'll encourage you. You know, one of the greatest things that for me personally that I feel when someone says it is I love when somebody says to me, 
You know, man, every time we get together, every time I talk to you, man, I feel encouraged. I feel stirred up in my spirit. That encourages me because it's showing me I'm staying on the right track, that I'm speaking faith, that I'm living faith, that I'm an encouragement to other people. I'm lifting them up. Sometimes I have people call me. They might be discouraged. You know, they might feel like giving up, whatever that might be. But I thank God that by staying in this place, you are the encouragement. You are the help for for the people around you. And they see you as an asset, not a liability. And and one of the things that I really, this is kind of, um, it was like a, a, almost like a life lesson to me was that Dr. Lester Sumrall, he had his own disciplines where he, and if you don't know who he is, he was a phenomenal and a powerful, uh, apostle to the nations, not just America to the nations. God used him all over the world. And, um, one of the things that he did and said was that he wouldn't even take a call from a minister in the, in the morning or in the daytime, uh, without having been with God in the morning, without having prayed, got, got a word from the Lord. Why? Because he understood unless I've got the help of heaven, unless I've got a word from the Lord, what good am I to those who are searching for help? What good am I? Can I help them in my flesh? Absolutely not. Can I help them with personal opinions? Absolutely not. Can I help them by the spirit of God? Absolutely. And so that's the key. It's, you know, I need a word from the Lord personally before I ever help somebody else. I need to receive it. You know, Jesus did that. Jesus, he said, I, 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 I can say nothing unless I first hear the father say it. He doesn't, that, that's the key. I need to hear from the Lord before I speak. That's why Jesus would rise up early before the dawn and get a word from his father. Because then after that, he had something to give people. And that's key. He had something to give people. That's how we're going to be. And we're going to develop this personal revival on a 24 seven daily basis. So I'm not waiting for somebody to encourage me. I'm waiting to encourage somebody. That's the key. What's up, Brian? So I want to take you through the scripture today, kind of show you from God's word, how we can live in that personal 24 seven revival atmosphere where we're like that same high we have when we leave services, we can live in that anointing on a daily basis, on a daily basis. So I want you to start with me, book of James chapter four, the epistle of James. That's where we're going to start today. And I want to show you what James wrote regarding our interaction with God. You know, sometimes erroneously we have this thought like, well, when God's ready to bless me, when he's ready to touch me, you know, people say, well, all in his time, brother, all in his time, when he's ready to touch me, when he's ready to bless me, people say that about their healing. When he's ready to heal me, brother, he knows what I need. He knows what I'm searching for. And when he, when he's good and ready, that's people talk like that. And it's not scriptural. It's not about when he's good and ready. He's been ready. He, Jesus died and shed his blood for your sins and your sicknesses 2000 years ago. He's been ready for 2000 years. We're just ready now to activate what he's done. And so he's not, you know, we're not waiting on him. He's waiting on us. And I want you to put that in the 
uh, comments section today. If you're watching, I'm not waiting on God. God's waiting on me. Put that in the comments. I'm not waiting on God. God is waiting on me. That's such a powerful thought that if we could just grasp that truth, it would, it would change the way people live. It would change the decisions they make. I'm not waiting on God. God is waiting on me. You know, Smith Wigglesworth, <clears throat> powerful apostle of God. Again, he was a spiritual father to Lester Summerall. Smith Wigglesworth had this quote that people have heard before. If you haven't, listen to this. He said, if, if God doesn't move me, I move God. Think of that. He said, if God doesn't move me, I move God. What does that mean? I'm not waiting on a move of God. I'm petitioning God for a move. You see that? I'm not waiting on a move of God. I'm petitioning God for a move. I'm going to actually provoke him by my faith. Imagine if the woman with the issue of blood would have just said, well, if Jesus finds me in the crowd, he finds me. If he doesn't, maybe it wasn't his will to heal me. No, she didn't do that. She didn't do that. Jesus, by the way, didn't even know she was there until she touched him. And she pressed personally through the crowd and reached out and touched the hem of his garment. Not because Jesus moved toward her, because she moved toward him. That was the key. Look at the man who was on the mat, paralyzed. His friends had faith, picked him up, brought him to the house where Jesus was teaching and ministering, climbed on the roof, ripped open the roof, lowered him down in front of Jesus' faith, a face. And their faith is what Jesus saw. And, he, and the Bible says, and seeing their faith, he healed the man. If they would have waited, well, he'll come this way sometime. He'll come to my house at some point. No, they went where he was and provoked his presence by their faith. If God doesn't move me, I move God. How do you move him? By your faith, by your dedication. And so I'm going to teach you today from the word of God, how to stay in personal revival, how to stay in personal revival. Revival. Catch this now. We're going to start in the book of James. There's Pastor West Falloon. Love you. Pastor James chapter four or uh, James chapter four and verse eight. Check this out. One verse of scripture, one verse that'll open your eyes to this concept. The eighth verse of the fourth chapter of James. Catch this. The Bible says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Even go back, go back one verse to verse seven. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Then it says, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. So look at those two things. Number one, it's my responsibility to resist the devil. Number two, it's my responsibility to draw near to God. You see that? It's my responsibility to resist the devil. It's my responsibility to draw near unto God. Two things that I've got to be doing constantly. Resisting the devil, 
drawing near to God. Notice it doesn't say in James 4, 8, God's drawing near to you, draw near to him. (laughs) Bible doesn't say that. God's drawing near to you, draw near to him. No, it doesn't say that. It says that you initiate the closeness you have with God's presence. And so I want you to put that in your notes. I want you to write it in the comments. I initiate the closeness I have with God's presence. Put that in the comments section. I initiate the closeness I have with God's presence. Draw near unto God and then he'll draw near unto you. Why is it and then? Because you taking steps to come close to him are actions of faith. You see that? And it's pleasing unto God when you take actions of faith to come near to him. Because what does the Bible say in Hebrews 11 and verse six? The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. And anyone that comes to him must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Well, we wouldn't draw near to him if we weren't expecting a reward. And so he sees it as an action of faith. That's why he's pleased by it. And that's why he then draws near unto us. James 4, 8, draw near unto God and he'll draw near unto you. And so we resist the devil and we draw near unto God. Well, people are probably asking the question, how do I draw near unto God? I thought he's omnipresent. Isn't he everywhere? How do I get close to him? How do I draw near to him? Well, I'm going to give you some action steps today because now that we understand that this is the foundational principle, I have to stay in a place in my life where I'm constantly drawing near unto God. I'm constantly drawing near unto God. It's my responsibility. So how do I do it? How do I make it happen? Well, one of the best and first ways that you can uh, begin to draw near unto God. And this is one of the biggest things, by the way, that keeps us out of personal revival. How, why are so many Christians outside of personal revival? Why do so many Christians need encouragement and refreshing? And why is that happening? Number one, and this one, what I want you to get today, put it in the comments. Step number one to personal revival Subdue your flesh, subdue your flesh. That's number one. And this is an action we take on a daily basis. This will keep us out of God's presence. If we don't subdue our flesh, well, why is that? Let's talk about it because we know the principle from God's word. The principle that Paul taught the church in in Galatia is that The flesh is constantly at war with the spirit. That's just how it is. I don't care if you've been saved 40 years, your flesh is still going to fight against your spirit, man. Still going to. Do you know until Jesus glorifies our physical bodies in the rapture or in death and resurrection, this flesh 
will want to do fleshly things. No question. Until Jesus glorifies our bodies, our flesh will fight against the spirit. Our flesh gets tired and doesn't want to go to church. Our flesh doesn't want to lift its hands and praise God. Our flesh doesn't want to set its mind on things above. Our flesh does not want to praise God. Our flesh doesn't want to give. Our flesh doesn't want to read the word. You go through the list and your flesh is fighting you every single day. And so step one to a personal revival is subdue your flesh. (laughs) That's right. Mike said, flesh going to (laughs) flesh. That's exactly right. The flesh wants to do what it wants to do. And you have to stop it. And notice this. Paul said it in 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 27. He said, I put my body under. Let me read it to you from the ESV. But I discipline my body and keep it under control. Listen to the original Greek. This will even break it down even harder for you. Listen to what Paul said in the Greek language. But I pummel my body and make it a slave. Think of that. Paul said it about himself. I pummel my body. I make it a slave on a daily basis. So that after preaching to others, I myself lest after having preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. So what's Paul saying? If I don't subdue my flesh, and I always found it interesting that he doesn't refer to his flesh as him. He said, I, the real me, I subdue my body. I subdue my flesh. So he didn't look at his flesh as the real him, did he? Because he doesn't refer to it as I. He said, outside of my flesh, I that's his spirit, man. I put my flesh under, I pummel it, make it a slave. Well, make it a slave to what? Make it a slave to what? I make it a slave to the instructions of God's word. That's what catch that. I make my body a slave, a slave to what? A slave to the instructions of his word. Well, why would I do that? Because outside of that, I'm not pleasing God. I'm not, if I'm disobeying the instructions of his word, I'm not pleasing God. So he said daily, I make my flesh a slave. I don't want to be disqualified. He's saying, I don't want to be disqualified from God's presence. So this flesh that is fighting, warring against the things of the spirit, I tell it to shut up. I tell it to do what it should. Do what it should. What do I mean by that? Well, you have to make your flesh do the things God wants you to do. You've got to remove that enemy of your personal revival. My flesh is an enemy. Please write that in the comments and never forget it. My flesh is an enemy of personal revival. I mean, just write it in the comments and never forget it. My flesh is an enemy of personal revival. It needs to be understood. Paul taught it to the Galatians and the Corinthians. Amen. My flesh is an enemy of personal revival. And so I can't let it rule me. If I let it rule me, I'll never be in a place of personal revival. 
I'll be one of those Christians that's up and down a roller coaster. Uh, you know, I'm doing great. I'm victorious this week. I'm really struggling and I'm losing battles this week. No, I'm not going to be that person. My flesh is an enemy of personal revival. And so I will conquer that enemy. I'll subdue it. And here's the thing. You can't subdue it once and for all. Now, wow. I can't subdue my flesh once and for all. Doesn't work like that. I have to subdue it daily, daily. <laughs> there is no like, you know, Hey guys, I got to tell you a testimony. What happened to me last week? What happened to you last week? My God, I got in a battle with my flesh and I beat it and I've beat it once and for all. I'll never have to battle the flesh again. It doesn't work that way. You can't beat your flesh once and for all. You fight it daily. You fight it daily. And every day, there's times you don't feel like walking in love towards people. There's times you don't feel like uh, living by the word, quoting the word, confessing the word. Sometimes you just feel like smacking people. I'm just being very plain with those that are on. I know who you are. You just feel like smacking people. Now, let me tell you something. It's a daily victory. It's a daily subduing of the flesh. I will win that battle every single day. And that's why you never let up. That's why you never let off because it's the consistency. Watch this now. It's the consistency of my actions that bring ultimate change. Amen. It's the consistency of my actions that bring ultimate change. I'll give you an example. It would be foolish of us to go to the gym one time. <laughs> I mean, how dumb would that be? I'm going to go to the gym one time in my life. So, you know, I, I, do you work out? Oh, I have worked out. I have worked out. Can you imagine bench pressing one time doing one set and then going standing in front of the mirror with your shirt off and being like, well, this stuff doesn't work. I just, I just bench pressed. I don't look any bigger than I did before I started. Yeah. Because it's not a one time thing. It's not a one time thing. It's consistency. I like that. Vilma Ortiz said, was it Wigglesworth that said, I don't ask my body how it's doing. I tell it how it's doing. That's excellent. That's excellent. In fact, that'd be something you all should write down and put in the comments. I don't ask my body how it's doing. I tell it how it's doing. Glory to God. I don't ask it how it's doing. I tell it how it's doing. My body could say to me, you're getting sick. I'll say back to it. No, I'm not. I'm healed in Jesus name. You're not getting sick. You're getting healed. My, I, I don't ask my body how it's doing. I tell it how it's doing. You're depressed. You're depressed. I'm not depressed. I'm full of joy. That's how you're doing mind. You're not in depression. You're in fullness of joy. Fullness of peace. You're anxious. You're anxious. I'm not anxious. I'm not anxious. I've got peace that passes all understanding. I don't ask my body how it's doing. I tell it how it's doing. I'm in control. Who's me? My spirit. My spirit's in control, you see. And so, number one, you've got to subdue that flesh every day. We don't, we don't walk. We don't walk in the flesh. We walk in the spirit. We walk in the spirit. Amen. Walk in the spirit daily. Let me read to you from the book of Romans. Now I want you to see this. 
Because Paul taught on this very thing. Listen to this. I appeal, this is Romans chapter 12. I'll start with verse one. Romans chapter 12 and verse number one. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Amen. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. That means you, you look at yourself introspectively and you don't have some filter of like, man, I'm the man. I'm awesome. I'm no, you look at yourself with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now, let me, let me give to you, uh, chapter eight. This is now Romans chapter eight, verse one, same letter, Romans eight, verse one. Listen, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. That was Romans eight, one through four. Notice what he said, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. What did he say four chapters later? Present your body as a living sacrifice unto God. What is a living sacrifice? I'm going to sacrifice my fleshly desires every single day. Every single day. I'll never stop being a living sacrifice. As long as I'm here on this earth, I'll be a living sacrifice. Long as I'm here on this earth, I will die to my flesh daily. I'll walk in the spirit. I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's, that's a daily challenge, daily challenge. And so that's number one. If you'll subdue that flesh and get it out of the way, you will have defeated the number one enemy to personal revival. If you'll just do that. Sometimes you know what it takes to subdue that flesh. Sometimes it takes fasting. Sometimes people have so let their bodies take over fleshly. They've so let their bodies take over that what it will take for that personal revival to happen is some fasting and prayer. Because if we will fast and pray, I mean, truly Bible fasting, not eating food, our flesh is weakened. Let me tell you something. Nothing weakens your flesh more quickly than not giving it calories. I just, oh, that doesn't sound spiritual. Oh, it's spiritual because it's in the Bible. And if that's God's system to like subdue the flesh and get into his spirit, we ought to operate in it. I had a guy try to rebuke me online recently. Well, you're, you're talking about all that fasting. That's aestheticism. 
That's not God. That's not New Testament. We shouldn't be doing that. That's, that's doing things in the, na- in the na- natural with your, to do with your body to try to please the Lord physically with your body. No, it's something that Jesus commanded. He said, uh, I'm leaving here. And when I leave, my followers will fast. Matthew chapter six, he commanded them when you fast, not if you fast. And many times fasting coupled with prayer is something that'll help you subdue that flesh, tell it to shut up and weaken it. Some people need their flesh weakened. (laughs) I'm just going to talk about that for a minute because it's the plain Bible truth. Some people need their flesh to be weakened. I don't mean by sickness. I don't mean by disease. I mean, personally, stop feeding it. You know, it's F.F. Bosworth that said most Christians feed their spirits one cold snack a week and their flesh three hot meals a day and wonder why they're so weak in faith. Sometimes you have to weaken that flesh. Tell that flesh that the spirit's in charge, not the flesh. You're not getting calories today. You're fasting today and we're pressing in and we're going to get our spiritual nutrition. This right here, spiritual nutrition. Jesus said it, you know, when the devil tempted him in the wilderness, he said, if you're truly the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Remember he was fasting 40 days. You know what Jesus response was man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So what Jesus was relaying was, I don't need natural bread. I need spiritual bread. I'm not out here in the wilderness trying to get food for my flesh. I'm out here in the wilderness getting food for my spirit. I'm not looking for bread alone, but every word The word of God is bread. You know how I know the Bible says Jesus himself said it. John chapter six, I am the bread that has come down from heaven. I am the bread that has come down from heaven. And Jesus is the word made flesh. He's the word made flesh, but he himself said, I'm the bread that has come down from heaven. So the word is spiritual bread to you. And sometimes your flesh just needs to stop eating and your spirit man needs to feast so that you can become strong in spirit and subdue that flesh. And so sometimes fasting and prayer together are necessary to weaken that flesh and to subdue it. That's number two. Number one is subdue the flesh. Number two, is to pray and with that prayer, sometimes fasting, prayer and fasting. Now, let me show you why prayer is so powerful to personal revival. First of all, it keeps you out of sin, keeps you free from temptation to sin. Jesus clearly taught his disciples that in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41. As they were praying in the garden, he keeps catching them sleeping. What does he say to them? He says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. 
For, now catch this, because here's what he's revealing to them. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So how do you overcome that weak flesh and do what the spirit is willing to do? Jesus said, you, you pray and you can see his expectation for his followers was that they would add fasting at times to their prayers. And we have that backed up, not just by the word, but did you know we have that backed up by church history that all, all the way into the first and second century, Christians would fast two days a week just by tradition. We have it recorded in church history. Christians would fast two days a week. They were doing what their Lord taught them to do, fasting and prayer. And they were giving themselves to that so that they would be subdued in the flesh, alive in the spirit. And so catch this now, the, the fasting and the prayer keep us in a position where flesh is in its place, but the spirit man is coming alive. So number one, prayer, according to Christ, keeps us from temptation so we don't fall into it. But then look at, that's, that's just one aspect. But look at what Paul taught the Corinthian church. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Paul here is talking about praying in the spirit. And I do encourage you that you should pray not only in your known language, but you should pray in the Holy Ghost, pray in tongues. You know, any great man of God that's ever shaken the world that I've been around is a man or a woman of God that prays in tongues often. Anyone I've ever been around. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I remember being around Brother Hagin and hearing stories about Brother Hagin praying the Holy. If he's riding in the car with you, if you picked him up from the airport or whatever it might be, taking him to lunch, and he'd just be sitting there next to you in the passenger seat, not a conversationalist, but just praying under his breath in the Holy Ghost. I know these men that have shaken the world. They pray in the Holy Ghost. Pastor Enoch Adeboye, who is the head of the Redeemed Christian Church of God, Millions of people joining them every year at their conventions. He said, nobody should take the platform to preach without uh, praying an hour in tongues first. I know Bishop Oyedepo feels the same. I know Dr. Cho feels the same. Men and women of God that have shaken the world, they pray in the spirit often. Pray in the spirit often. Um, scroll up on that comment real quick. Aniras Uknas asks, can I ask if God's spirit is in me, the father of God is in me and the Holy Spirit is in me, how can I, should I do? Don't understand quite what that means, but the, the father is not in you. Jesus is not in you. The Holy Spirit is in you by the way, just to break that down. God is on the throne. Christ is seated at his right hand and preparing a place for you and making intercession for you. The Holy Spirit is what fills believers, not the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. 
And you can know because he leads you in what you should do. The Bible teaches that. So how do you get into that leading? Prayer, like we're talking about, point number two. Pray in the spirit, pray in your known language. Paul said that in this chapter, 1 Corinthians 14. Let me, let me read this to you. He says this, pursue, this is verse one, pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not unto men, but to God. For no one understands him. He utters mysteries in the spirit. Now look at verse four. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. That's a benefit of speaking in tongues right there. The Bible says, when you speak in tongues, you are building up or edifying, encouraging yourself. You see that? It has the, the, the supernatural property. We're working on a book right now for spirit-filled believers, study guides. The first one's going to be on speaking in tongues. Going to answer every question that people have and show you from the word why we believe it does what it does. But number one, he who speaks in tongues builds up himself. So one of the ways you stay in personal revival, pray in the spirit, pray in the spirit, pray in the spirit, pray in the spirit, speak in tongues, stir up your most holy faith. Jude verse 20, building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy ghost, praying in the Holy ghost, praying in the Holy ghost, praying in the spirit edifies you. It builds you up. It stirs you up. Notice what Paul said. He said this, I do both. He says, uh, verse 14, 1 Corinthians 14, 14. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Verse 15, what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praises with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. He said, I'll do both. I'll pray in my known language and I'll pray in the spirit. Now notice the context of this. He's saying, not praying empowered by the spirit as some people try to get around tongues. He's talking about tongues specifically. He's talking about tongues. He said, I'll pray in tongues and I'll pray in my natural language with my mind is what he says. I'll pray with my mind and with my spirit. So even Paul said it. He said in verse 18, look at verse 18. If you want to talk about, well, you should only do that, you know, once in a while and it should be only done by church and it should only be done in the context of someone with an interpreter. Look what he said. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. And he's talking to people who had an excess of tongues in their church services. He said, I speak in tongues more than all of you combined. Amen. So he said, I'm doing it all the time. I'm doing it all the time. What was this? This was a man who knew how to subdue the flesh. This is a man who knew how to stay in personal revival. Here's a man who knew what it took in the midst of heavy persecution to stay on fire for God, to keep moving forward, to keep preaching the gospel, to keep going into these cities and starting churches and seeing believers flourish. How did he do it? I speak in tongues more than all of you stayed encouraged. He stayed in a place where he was full of supernatural strength and his faith was being built up. Amen. 
praying in tongues, encourage yourself in the Lord. It doesn't take me long. I'm, I can start praying in tongues. It might take me 10 seconds. I feel that jolt hit me. That encouragement from the Lord hit me. I can feel it. I can sense it. I know what it is. I can feel that personal spiritual refreshing. I don't know if he did it in his sleep. I don't know how many scripture on that. I think he did it by choice and actually when he was awake, you understand? And so I want you to, to know this, that speaking, speaking in tongues, praying in the spirit and praying in your known language, it is a key to encouraging yourself in the Lord, staying in a place of personal revival. Amen. The Bible says that when you pray in the spirit, you build up your most holy faith. You're building up, building up, stirring it up, stirring it up, getting it ready for action. I mean, it's like when you used to, when I used to play basketball, one of the things they would always do is before we'd have a game, they would take us somewhere and feed us a dinner, you know, maybe two hours before the game or whatever, two, three hours before the game, they would, we'd get on the bus and they would take us usually to some Italian restaurant and get us, what kind of dinner, dinner are you going to get us as basketball players? We're going to eat some sort of a spaghetti dinner, fettuccine, you know, whatever it might be. What are they doing to us right before the game? They're carving us up, filling us with carbs. Why? Those carbs turn right into sugar, hit your bloodstream like a jolt. So we get out there now, we're filled, that sugar has filled our bloodstream and that, that sugar is giving energy to our body to perform at that high level in that basketball game. Why were they doing that? They wanted to fill us with a substance that was going to send a jolt into our system. Same thing praying in tongues does for your spirit and your body. When you pray in the Holy Ghost, you send a jolt of encouragement, a jolt of your faith being built up, according to scripture, to yourself so that you're prepared for action. Paul said that. I do it more than all of you without question. And so I want you to see this. The second way to stand in personal revival daily is to be a person who prays, not only in your known language, but pray in the spirit pray in the spirit. Do you know, you don't even have to engage your mind. This is one of the most amazing things to me. You don't even have to engage your mind to pray in the spirit, which means you can be doing other things. I've done it for years. You can do other things. I can work. I can, you know, chore. I can work out. I can do whatever, ride a bike. I don't have to engage my mind to pray in the Holy ghost. It's coming out of my spirit. Cause I'm not sitting there thinking, what do I need to say? What, what do I need to say? It's like, I couldn't do this broadcast while doing something else. You know, I couldn't be like, you know, reading a book or doing a, a job or, or fixing something on the computer and still teach the broadcast because see, my mind is engaged to teach you. But when I pray in the spirit, my mind is not engaged in that because as Paul said, I will pray in my, with my mind, that's his known language, but I'll also pray with my spirit. You see, they're separated. And I've done that for years. You can do other things and pray in the Holy Ghost, and you should. You should take those times where it's, you know, you're just doing a task that doesn't take, you know, and you're, you're sitting there, you might be washing the dishes, you might be doing your workout, you might be riding or running or whatever it might be. You might be driving in the car, pray in the Holy Ghost. Take time to pray in the Holy Ghost and you're stirring yourself up, encouraging yourself. You're building up your faith, getting ready for action. Pray in the Holy Ghost, 
pray in the Holy Ghost. I actually did a broadcast last November before we got into 2020, and I showed you why. That in this year, and this, this was prophetic as could be, because I, I did, you go back through, you go to the, through the podcast, go back through YouTube archives. You go back to November around Thanksgiving time, and you know what you're going to find? You're going to find a broadcast I did that said why you're going to need to do this more than ever in 2020. The this was pray in tongues. That was before COVID hit. That's before the lockdown. That's before shutdowns. That's before anything. And I said, you're going to need to pray and stir yourself up in the Holy Ghost in 2020 more than ever before. Look where we're at today. What do we need more than ever before? To be encouraged in the Lord. To be supernaturally encouraged in the Lord. You see, and that's, that was the Holy Ghost giving us a heads up that we're going to need to pray in the Holy Ghost more than ever before. You go back and watch it for yourself. You'll find it. You'll find it. And so it's, it's, a, it's a priority. I mu- and put this in the comments. I must make speaking in tongues a priority. We're Pentecostal people. Not just on paper, not just on our About Us section on the website. In practice, we're Pentecostal people. We speak in tongues. We lay hands on the sick. We prophesy. We allow the gifts of the Spirit to move and be in operation. Amen. We're Pentecostal people. That's what this, this this ain't no, uh, this ain't a reform broadcast. This is not a Baptist broadcast. This is not, you know, some kind of a cessationist broadcast for anybody that might be just joining us for the first time. This is a Pentecostal broadcast. We believe in the uh, doctrines of the Pentecostal church that are the doctrines of scripture. You know, when you've got men that are not foolish men, I'm not the smartest guy. I'll be honest with you. I am not. I'll I'll be the first one to tell you that I'm not some genius. But when you've got men like Dr. Jack Deere, who was a professor emeritus at Dallas Theological Seminary, DTS, and he was a a professor of, I think, Old Testament literature. I, I have to go back and look at the actual position he held. But here was a man who was a pure cessationist, reformed, didn't believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost, didn't believe it was for today, believed that the operations of the Holy Spirit in that context had ceased after the last apostle died and was teaching that to his students as an intelligent man. He's not a fool. He's an intelligent man. He's a doctor, has a doctor in theology. And the power of God touched his life. He said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give myself a challenge. I'm going to go through the New Testament and read it without any preconceived ideas and see how I feel about cessationism and the baptism of the Holy Ghost on the other side of me reading the New Testament. Here's a man who already had studied for many years. He was a doctor, doctor to theology, knew what he believed. But he said, I'm going to give myself a challenge because I feel like I'm doing what I tell my students never to do, which is to read the Bible with preconceived ideas and try to prove your thesis with scripture. So he said, I did it. You know what he found out? He found out, and this was his own quote on the back of the book he released. No logical thinking person can read through the New Testament and come out the other side a cessationist. None. And he changed his whole belief, got baptized in the Holy Ghost, and he released a book called Surprised by the Power of the Spirit. 
surprised by the power of the spirit where he chronicles how he came to realize and understand that any logical thinking person, any intelligent person has to read the new Testament and be a continuationist because there's no scripture that can back up the Holy ghost. Stop moving. You can't go to first Corinthians and say tongues shall cease. And then it's like, yeah, in heaven, you know, we're not going to need it in heaven, not on the earth. And so you go look it up for yourself. Surprised by the power of the spirit by Dr. Jack Deere with an E on the end, D E E R E, where he chronicles that. And that's what we're talking about. This is a Pentecostal broadcast. You cannot be a logical thinker and say, God's not still moving in this way. It was his equipment for his new Testament believers. Amen. Look, just a heads up for any reformed people that may be watching. Uh, it was more than the 12 apostles of the lamb in the upper room on the day of Pentecost it was 120. So what do we have to wait for every, every last one of them to die? But what, what about the people that they laid hands on? What about the cities that were filled with the Holy ghost? Like Samaria in Acts chapter eight, do we have to wait for every last one of them to die? When did it cease? When did the power cease? How do you explain that there were still signs and wonders and miracles in the first and second century? Why do we have writings from Polycarp? Why do we have writings from Irenaeus? Why do we have writings from these men uh, telling us that they were still seeing signs and wonders and miracles? They were still seeing healing. They were still seeing exorcisms. They were still seeing the dead being raised. Why do we have that if it ceased when the last apostle died? Well, John the Revelator died. Polycarp was his disciple and continued to see it in his life. And so did the rest of the church fathers. And so you explain to me how God stopped working. Why did he stop working? He didn't. He didn't. And we're going to stand in that power with personal revival every single day. I don't have to wait for a revival to come through town. I can have it. I can have it. Number three, or I should say, yeah, number three, number one, subdue the flesh. Number two, pray in English and in the spirit. Number three, make the word a priority. Nobody does this anymore. And the statistics show it. The statistics show it. It's funny when people say to me, well, yeah, I'm a sold out Christian. I put the word first. They don't even read it. The average Christian doesn't read the Bible on a daily basis. You know how I know? Because preachers that have gone to seminary and have come out of seminary, 90 some percent of them statistics show us have never read the Bible through one time, not once. And they're preaching in our pulpits. Well, if they're not doing it and they're the leaders, Christians themselves on the average are not doing it. And I'm encouraging you today. If you're going to have personal revival, the fuel for that revival is the mighty word of God, the inerrant word of God. Hallelujah. Whew. This thing is powerful. I mean, this word is powerful. It is God's written word that was breathed out of his mouth. It is the inspired inerrant word of the almighty God. Amen. There's nothing like it on the earth, nothing. And it is spiritual nutrition to everybody that ingests it. Everybody, every Christian, not to the sinner. They can't understand these things. The Bible says that they're dead and trespasses and things in sins. And they, they think the things of God to be foolishness. So I don't mean the spiritually dead. I'm talking about Christians. When a believer, one of the elect, 
When they receive this word, it is spiritual nutrition unto them. It's exactly what it is. You've got to make the word a priority in your life. It's fuel. What did Paul say? This person ring on Facebook is like a mental patient. I was like looking past these comments, but like now I'm like looking at them. This person is like a certifiably insane mental patient. I didn't read the Bible because I am in the Bible. Whatever in the world that means. Read the Bible and get delivered, you absolute nut job. <laughs> I can do miracles. I don't read the Bible because I am in the Bible. What are you, time traveling? Nut job. <laughs> I always have a fringe person log on at some point through the broadcast. Just like <laughs> throwing out nutty phrases. Be like, well, that's not very Christ-like, brother. Well, I'm sorry. I'm still working out my salvation. Um, <laughs> make the word a priority. <laughs> the blood of the unicorns flows through the gold of the mountains. Um, you know, when people start getting nutty, they just start saying all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, go, go with me to the book of Acts chapter 20. Paul <laughs> When I try to read is becoming true. It's like, whatever that means. Um, Acts chapter 20, look at verse 32. Paul is encouraging the Ephesian elders. <laughs> and he says in the 32nd verse of Acts 20, he says, now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up. You see that and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. And so it's the word of God that builds you up. It's the word of God that gives you access to your inheritance because see, it's like reading a will at a will reading. You don't know what's yours to take home until you've read it in the will. And when you read it in the will of God, his word is his will then you know that it's yours. It's your inheritance. Part of this, oh, hallelujah. I love this. Let me read you Jeremiah. See, because people wouldn't have to pray for encouragement if they'd learn to encourage themselves in the Lord and have personal revival. Catch this, Jeremiah 15, 16, one of my favorite verses of scripture. Why it's not highlighted in this new Bible, I don't know. It should already be. Should, I should have already highlighted this. One of my favorite scriptures in the whole Old Testament. Look at this. Jeremiah 15, 16. <laughs> Your words were found and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart for I'm called by your name. O Lord of hosts. Look at what Jeremiah is saying. He's saying that when I found your words, I devoured them. I ingested them. Look what they became. They became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. And so understand this. One of the things that happens when you read God's word is that it enters your body and becomes joy. Like Jeremiah said, it becomes joy. It becomes the delight of your heart. 
the writer of Proverbs also said to us that his word doesn't just become joy and rejoicing, it becomes health and strength. If you need health, you don't have to wait for some healing revival. You don't have to wait for some uh, special meeting where the, the laying on of hands is there. Look at this, Proverbs chapter four, verses 20 through 22. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to all those who find them and healing to all their flesh. The word of God is life and healing. Hallelujah. How do I know? Jesus himself said it. John 6, 63. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. They are spiritual life. You've got to make it a priority. Daily basis. You must read the word. If you want personal revival, if you want personal refreshing in your life daily, give yourself the fuel for refreshing. Put it in the comments. God's word is the fuel for refreshing. Put it in the, you've got to write that. Put it in your notes, put it in your Bible, highlight the verses, put it in the comments. God's word is the fuel for refreshing. There's no question about it. God's word, this, I love this word so much. There's nothing like it. It blows my mind that pastors that are older than me, that should be more, that should be more intelligent, that should be more studied than I, say crazy things. Well-known pastors. It's like Andy Stanley in, in Georgia. I don't mind calling his name out. Andy Stanley, son of Charles Stanley, pastors in Georgia, said recently, that Jesus never claimed to be God <laughs> as though Jesus never expected us to believe he was God. What a fool. How about crack a Bible every once in a while? Crack a Bible open. How do you get past the fact that Jesus said, I and the father are one and the same. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. I mean, he literally said that. How do you get past the confession of Christ. I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. <laughs> I and the Father are one. Jesus claimed to be God and claimed to be the Son of God. Why do you think they picked up stones to stone him when Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. Using the same words God said to Moses in the book of Exodus. Before Abraham was, I am. The Jews knew what he was saying and they picked up stones to stone him for blasphemy. <laughs> he was saying, you're looking at the I am. Hello, Garden of Gethsemane. Whom seek ye? Jesus of Nazareth, I am. Not I'm Jesus of Nazareth. He was telling them, I am the I am. And they all fell backwards onto their backs. Why? He just revealed he was God to the soldiers. I am. Why do you think they kept picking up stones to stone? They wanted to run him off of a cliff and push him off a cliff for blasphemy, claiming to be equal with God. And there's stuff going on in our nation right now. You got weak pastors. They're weak on doctrine and they're weak in the spirit. I mean, I don't even know. Andy Stanley's not filled with the Holy Ghost. But I mean, like, 
When you believe you, you don't believe God's word is God's word, you've got problems. person, that person on Facebook just commented, I am the Lord of the ring. <laughs> Someone just said to me, she's the person, I think it's a girl. I don't think I'm a mental patient. If I am, tell me how. And the very next comment, I am the Lord of the ring. <laughs> Truth will out. Um, let me give you number. Let me give you number four. Number one, subdue your flesh. <laughs> number two, pray in the spirit. Pray in your pray. Pray in your known language. Make the word a priority. And let me give you number five because this will keep you. This will keep you in a place of personal personal revival. I'm telling you how to be refreshed daily to not have to, to not have to wait. <laughs> Pastor Kim, what can I do with these people? <laughs> the pastoral gift is not on me at this moment. <laughs> Pastor Kim gift. Um, number four, put it in the comments. Praise daily. Praise daily. Praise is a weapon that gives you not only joy, but gives you strength. Amen. It not only gives you joy, but it gives you strength. Glory to God. Praise on a daily basis. What does the Bible say in the book of Isaiah chapter 61? Well, it tells us that there is a prescription for the spirit of heaviness that the devil tries to use against us in this world. Look at this. Isaiah 6, 3. To grant those who mourn in Zion and to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, or what some translations say, a spirit of heaviness. So praise brings you into, we know this because the Bible tells us in Psalm 22, three, God inhabits the praises of Israel. And so he lives in, dwells in your praise. But you go further to understand Psalm 16 tells us in his presence is fullness of what? Joy. In his presence is fullness of joy. So notice this, as we praise him, he inhabits our praise. We are pulled into his presence. And in that presence, we find fullness of joy. Well, we don't stop there because we know what Nehemiah wrote in the eighth chapter, 10th verse. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And so it's a chain reaction. Praise takes us into his presence. His presence takes us into his joy. His joy 
takes us into his strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So notice this, if I'll dedicate myself to praising him on a daily basis, what will I have? I'll have strength daily. I'll have joy daily. I'll have divine access to his presence daily. So put these all together. My flesh is subdued. Number one, it's moved out of the way. The thing that would restrict me from being refreshed daily, encouraged spiritually daily, it's moved out of the way. As Paul said, I subdue it daily. Number two, as I begin to pray in the spirit and in my known language, I have the ability now to resist every temptation and in the spirit, I'm encouraging myself and building up my most holy faith. Number three, as I make the word a priority, guess what's happening now? It's building me up. Paul said it to the Ephesian elders. It's giving me my inheritance. It's giving me my health. It's giving me fresh joy just by making the word a priority. And then finally, by praising God, it's giving me access to his presence, access to his joy, access to his strength. All of those things are given to us just by following these four steps. You can stay in personal revival daily by four steps. And I'm going to take a moment here at the end of the broadcast because I understand, listen, I'm not, I'm not one of those people that's you know, condemning, because I, I know that everybody's at different levels of faith and maturity. I get that. I know it is true. I feel for pastors. Sometimes I talk to them. I say, you know, it's, it's weird. I watch my wife do it, you know, at home. She's a wonderful mother. We've got three kids and they all don't want the same thing for lunch. So it's not like mom just comes in. She wants to know, what do you want for lunch? Well, Brooklyn might say, I want a peanut butter and jelly. And Maddie might say, I want chicken nuggets in the, you know, the air fryer or whatever and some fries. Teddy may want, you know, swirl toast and eggs, you know, whatever it might be. But you know what mom does because she loves all three. She makes three different lunches for the three different kids. She loves them. But I told the pastors, I said, man, I understand with pastoring, you've got different levels of maturity in your church. You've got the mature. I got to be feeding them meat. Then you've got the newly saved or the spiritually immature. I've got to give them milk. And then somewhere here in the middle, there's people that need bread. So, and, you're, and you're feeding these. I know there's people at different levels. I get it. If you're not at the highest level of faith and the highest level of maturity, I'm not condemning you. You're growing in the things of God. So I know that people need prayer and they need help. And I want to pray for people on the very end of this broadcast that God would refresh you today. That's why I'm calling it Breakthrough Friday. I'm believing God would refresh you today. If you would, Matt, give me this other, this other camera. I want to look right into the people's eyes. I want you to see me and understand something as I pray for you. I'm believing that from this day, the spirit of the Lord is going to come mightily upon you. I'm believing as he did for King David in the Old Testament, as the anointing touches you by the power of the spirit, that the spirit of God is going to come mightily upon you today. Whatever was harassing you in life is going to loose its grip and let you go whether it be sickness and disease, depression, anxiety, whatever, addiction, it must loose its grip today and let you go. And that from this day forward, you'll be refreshed in the Lord, that you'll walk in personal revival as you keep these things 
as your daily priority and watch God touch you. You don't have to wait for a revival to come to your church. You don't have to wait for Sunday morning. You don't have to wait for somebody to lay hands on you. You can enter into the presence of God on a daily basis and be encouraged in the Lord. Encourage yourself in the Lord, as the Bible says. So Father, right now, in the mighty name of Jesus, I'm praying for every person watching and listening to the podcast or the replay of this broadcast and those live. I ask you today, touch them supernaturally by your mighty right hand. Lord, drive out every enemy of their body, mind, and soul, their spirit, in Jesus' name. I take authority over sickness today, disease, those that are struggling. I rebuke it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Loose your grip on God's people and let them go today in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for those battling with anxiety or depression. They're struggling. I pray now in Jesus' name that you'd send the joy of the Holy Ghost, the peace that passes all understanding, set them free. I rebuke anxiety and depression and suicidal thoughts. Loose your grip on God's people and let them go today in Jesus' name. Lord, for those that are bound in the invisible prison of addiction, I command those prison doors to open today in Jesus' name. Pornography addiction, nicotine addiction, alcohol addiction, drug addiction, loose them and let them go in Jesus' mighty name. Be free in Jesus' name. I loose joy. Father, refresh your people today. Let us run into this weekend in a new week, in a new joy, in a new strength of the Holy Ghost in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you, give you all the praise. If you believe it, shout amen where you are and throw some fire in the comments section. Let me know you believe God with me and you're standing for total refreshing, total freedom, total healing in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Listen, this is the final day of broadcast for the week. And we're leaving right in just a few hours. I'm, we're getting, we're packing this up. We're headed to the airport and we're going to Montana. And uh, I'm, I'm believing for a mighty move of the Holy Ghost in Billings, Montana. Want to see you there. But I want to give you one final opportunity to sow seed this week. As you're going into the weekend, do what the Lord has placed in your heart. I know the Lord's speaking to people right now as far as what he's calling you to sow and to give today into the kingdom. You're sowing into the anointing. You're sowing into a vision that is set to see this generation changed by the power of God. You're joining with Carolyn and me as we're believing God to see our generation changed by the power of the Holy Ghost. This is not, as you know, a watered down word. This is not some, uh, you know, some kind of a, a small thing that we're believing God to do. We're believing for a mighty revival to sweep through America. And I believe the prophetic word that came to us last year, God's hand is draping his presence over America once again, draping his anointing over America once again. There's my dad. Thank you, dad, for sowing a seed. I love you. You can do what my father did and use hashtag donate in the comments section. You can uh, use Cash App or Venmo if you're in the United States. PayPal is available. All the information is on the screen. But we want to challenge you to stand with us in partnership. Are you able to stand with us on a monthly basis. We've prayed and asked the Lord, you know what we asked the Lord, attach a thousand people to this ministry that would sow $85 a month or more as we're believing to shake this world with the power of the gospel. Maybe you can pray and say, Lord, that'd be me. I can do that. Bethany, thank you for sowing that seed. That would be me, Lord. I can, I can stand with them at, at at least $85 a month. Go to miracleword.com, click the link to give, and you can Create an account, you can fill out the form and set up a monthly seed 
to stand with us, whatever the Lord tells you to do, whatever it is, maybe you're not at the place yet where you can sow $85 a month. We've had people start with us at $10 a week. Do what you can, what the Lord speaks to you personally to do and be blessed and watch as God increases you all throughout the rest of this year. Violent increase, expedited favor. And for those that are standing with us at $85 a month, this month, we're going to be giving you this gift, this awesome book by Bishop Rick Thomas, Speak to the Void. And he wrote this book and talking about how the confession, the declaration you've got in your mouth speaks to something that is in chaos in your life that the enemy tried to destroy. And it speaks order and power and anointing back in, sets that thing back in order and creates from the unseen in the seen realm. You don't have to take life as it comes. You can speak and have what you say. And all you've got to do, if you'd like to receive this offer in the month of September, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer. And we're going to send you this book, fill out the form, let us know where to send it, how you sowed your seed. We're going to send that to you for everybody that's standing with us at a thousand dollars or more in this month. We're going to send you that book as well as my brand new book, further faster in a limited edition hardcover. And of course, as you know, the, this is one of my favorite study tools, the life application study Bible, new living translation, genuine leather as our gift to you. I'm going to sign it to you and your family to say, thank you for sewing largely. Let me tell you, it does matter. As we're getting ready to hit television and preach the gospel around the world weekly, 80 plus million homes, three continents being touched in phase one with the gospel, it matters greatly when you step out in faith and sow largely into the kingdom. It's something that not only you're going to get credit for in heaven, but God's going to bless you back in that same way. How do I know? The Bible says that whatsoever, in whatever measure a man or woman gives, that's the measure it shall come back to them or be measured back to them. And so if you're doing something that takes faith and it's a large seed, God's going to bless you in a large way. I believe that those of you stepping out in faith. Thank you. We want to say thanks to every person that stands with this ministry. We love you guys so much and appreciate you. Thanks for everybody writing safe travels in the uh, comment section. We, we so appreciate you. Uh, a couple of announcements before I let you go. Uh, don't forget if you haven't signed your kids up yet for this month's miracle word, kids, Bible reading mission, prayer, talking to your heavenly father. You can get it for free. It doesn't cost a dime. Go to miraclewordkids.com. Fill out a little form there. We'll email you all the resources at no charge to you. So you can get your kids involved uh, with what's going on with the miracle word kids. And then also don't forget that we have um, for you as well, the new vlog that Maddie and Brooklyn and Teddy launched on YouTube. You can actually uh, subscribe right on YouTube or you can subscribe at miraclewordkids.com and gain access uh, to all of the content uh, every single week. New video coming out tomorrow as well. And so we say we love you guys. Don't forget Carolyn's book is now available on ebook and paperback. If you'd like to get it, Lines, the 40-day devotional that she just dropped available for uh, Amazon Kindle and Apple Books. You can get it on Amazon in paperback form, or you can get it right through our website, shop.miracleword.com. All kinds of stuff available for you to get. And uh, we love you so much. Thank you for standing with us. Thank you for praying that these next few weeks of meetings are going to be powerful in the Holy Ghost. People be saved and healed and delivered. 
I will be back with you on Monday morning through Friday. We're gonna be broadcasting from Montana. We're gonna have to start at 8.30 in the morning, but here it'll still be 10.30 again, uh, East Coast time. And so we'll look forward to seeing you there. I love you, have a powerful weekend, and I'll talk to you again on Monday. Be blessed. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.